Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Thanks for tuning in. You're joining me for a chat with another Emma, Emma Blackery, um, the YouTuber, award-winning musician, and now author, who was also flashed up during the Apple presentation for the iPhone X, um, which was, uh, I believe, a delight and surprise to everybody involved. So um, what are we supposed to take from that? Emma's very relevant. Um, she's got uh, about a million and a half subscribers on YouTube. She's got something close to 200 million video v- views on YouTube. And she really is a voice of a generation. And I really enjoyed chatting with her. Um, her book, Feel Good 101, is how I came to know about her. And it was very interesting because I picked up the book. I was able to get a preview copy that I sort of stumbled across. And as I want to do when I pick up these preview copies that are either sent to me or that I pick up various work things, um, I'll flick through. I sort of tend to have a bit of a nosy on the first paragraph of each chapter, get a sense of the book. That's a speed reading tip that I... um, Who did I hear that from? Anyway, it's a speed reading tip. If you want to get the sense of a book, read the first paragraph of every chapter um, just to kind of figure out what's, what's going on. And I found when I picked up Feel Good 101 that I was delving a lot more and there were chapters that I was really lingering on. And actually, specifically, she talks about anxiety and depression in a way that is really valuable. And I might be 15 years older than Emma, but there were definitely passages within those um, chapters that felt like they could have been stolen from my own brain. And as you know, if you listen to this podcast... It's a subject I've talked about previously. Anxiety and depression are pretty crap. But one thing that is a real comfort is when there's a conversation about it, when you realise that it's not um, a solo experience, it's a shared experience. And I feel that it doesn't really matter what your age is. Those particular chapters and many others are really valuable. And she articulates them beautifully and she doesn't preach she actually almost says look your interpretation of this book is down to you but I'm just going to tell you how I dealt with things so um she's not one of these people who says think how I think and follow me she's she's just very much herself which I really admired Um, and I really enjoyed hanging out with her actually and she may be 25 which makes her a full 15 years younger than me but she's a Scorpio and I have never, ever in my life 
been in a situation with a Scorpio where the conversation has dried up. So that will explain why um, it was so easy to chat to Emma. But before we get into that conversation and really dig into the book, Feel Good 101, and the links to which I'll be putting in the show notes where you can buy it, whether you're my age, whether you're Emma's age, whether you have a teenager, there's some really valuable stuff in there. So it's definitely worth having a look at and hopefully this chat will give you a really good sense of what's inside but um followers uh who uh, watch what i'm up to on instagram will know that i attempted a digital detox this week so i took myself off to the new forest um which was amazing it was lovely the reason i'm pausing is because i was so nervous about leaving i'm so used to working six sometimes seven days a week i'm really bad at taking time off i'm freelance I'm self-employed so I'm constantly like on semi defcon 2 or whatever it is uh, just because I think oh I've had an idea I better get it on paper now or I better fire off that email so I find switching off very very difficult so actually I was chatting to a friend on Monday before I left and she said aren't you off to your aren't you going off on your digital detox aren't you driving to a hotel for the night and I said yeah yeah I'll go in a minute and it was just, I couldn't even give myself the um, permission to just shut down the computer, turn off my email and get in the car. So it was a real challenge. And I think that's um, probably true for all of us who have commitments and responsibilities. It's very difficult to fully switch off. So I took myself off to the New Forest. I stayed at a hotel called Limewood, which is just exquisite. I've been there a couple of times before with work. And it really is one of those places that just feels like you're going back to a family home <laughs> when you walk in it's just completely pleasant and lovely and it smells awesome everything feels expensive and gorgeous and I wanted to go down there and just really switch off and one of the ways that I did that was to uh, go for like a massive ramble in the woods because the grounds surrounding it are absolutely amazing I did it in a very interesting way because when I arrived in my room there was some complimentary sparkling wine which I drank so when I did eventually go out for my ramble, I was half cut and I ended up listening to, um, I think I was listening to Taylor Swift, the Red Album, uh, and it made a very weird sort of Blair Witch inspired Instagram story thing. But because I was on a digital detox, I just saved it all and then published it the next day once my digital detox was over. And then I had a bath and um, watched Real Housewives on my iPad and did some other various bits and bobs. But... I do believe the next morning when I woke up, just having given myself permission to be a bit stupid and to go on a ramble, having had a glass of wine, it was it was really nice. I felt very relaxed and it was proof that a change is as good as a rest. And I also treated myself to an amazing spa treatment, which I haven't done in years. And it really was unbelievably incredible. So my advice to anyone who feels a little bit... Um, stressed overstretched or whatever these whatever that feeling is you know that feeling where you just feel like everything is running on empty and you feel a bit wired um you don't have to go on holiday sometimes you can just give yourself permission to do something stupid like just turn the phone off for a couple of hours and go for a walk and just trust and believe that you'll you'll be all right if you are offline for two hours but um everybody's life and uh commitments are completely different but it just made me think actually I don't have to leave it two years before I give myself permission to take a day off I can 
do it whenever I like. And actually you can find those little pockets so that it doesn't build up to a massive crescendo where you're just like, I don't want to go and do anything today because I'm absolutely knackered. You can just find those little pockets of time where you take yourself away. Um, But why don't you email in or, or tweet me or whatever if you have found any ways to just kind of, when you feel yourself getting to that point of stress and you're able to talk yourself off the ledge, if any of you have any techniques, then definitely email them in. I'll read them out on the next show because I'm very, very interested to to hear how people really pull back from those very, very stressful periods or just feeling like you're just on this treadmill of get up, go to work, get home, cook, clean, go to bed, get up, go to work, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So another thing that uh, happened this week is I found myself in the blissful position of... Um, having a really nice um legging wardrobe bear with me here when the last time I moved house um there were a few things that I had on my list of things that I really really want and I like working out and I said I want somewhere where I have enough hanging space so that I can actually hang my gym kit and it's not like stuffed in the bottom drawer somewhere or hanging on the back of the door and I opened up my wardrobe the other day and I have a little section. It's like six hangers, but even so it feels it feels quite gangster because I set out to have it. And I've got these hangers and I realised that I had the perfect legging wardrobe because uh, Sweaty Betty have got these incredible um, power leggings that have just come out, which are um, bum sculpting. So that's nice. So they look really pretty and they're like great for running or cardio or spinning or what have you. Then there's the contour workout legging and I've got quite a vibrant print, but I tend to use those for my yoga sessions, which I'll come back to in a minute. And then for running, there's the zero gravity legging, which is um, really, really super lightweight. And so when you put it on, it feel almost feels like a pair of tights, but like almost like you can barely feel the weight of it. And they are so, so good for just kind of just clinging to you, but not being unflattering. But the yoga leggings, when I had that treatment at Limewood and I realised quite how many knots were pummeled out of my body, like I ate the next day from where the the knots had been pummeled out, which which is a good sign. I said to myself, you have to do some sort of yoga every day because you're at that age where if you're stooping, if your back is that knackered and that sort of in that horrible position that you know isn't healthy, you have to start doing some work to pull it back. Um, and I find yoga really difficult. I'm one of these people I can't find, I find sitting cross-legged so uncomfortable. It just makes me want to tip forward. Um, which And it's one of the most basic poses in yoga. So I've been working really hard. I've talked about her before, but Yoga with Adrienne, a really popular um, channel on YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes. I've just been doing some of her really simple yoga things in the evening just to kind of loosen off because I do definitely stretching is one of those things I remember speaking to a personal trainer called Dalton Wong who does a lot of work with celebrities like he's worked with Jennifer Lawrence and he's working with Taron Egerton who's in the new Kingsman film and he said something like some was chatting to him and he said something about stretching like stretching is where you will make progress like if you really want to make a difference you can make it with stretching so those words are always in my head every night when I go to bed and I feel like my back aching and I think should really do a teensy bit of stretching before I pass out whilst watching Grey's Anatomy on the iPad. But that's another um, that's another story. So we're going to get into this chat with Emma. I really hope you enjoy it. I was really fascinated by her. She's super bright. She's super switched on. Um, 
she knows what she wants in life and she goes after it and I never have a problem with that and she seems to be incredibly honourable with how she goes about getting what she wants. Um, Yeah, I found it a really interesting conversation and I really enjoyed hanging out with her. So I really do hope that you enjoy listening to our chat. If you have any thoughts about the book, why not get in touch with the show? You can email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can comment under under an Instagram post. I'm on Instagram as at Emma Guns. You can send me a DM. Or why not tweet me at Emma Guns on Twitter? I would love to hear from you. And I'm going to take this opportunity to say thank you very, very much to everybody who has been writing in. Um, the mailbox has been really, really busy. So sorry if you've had to wait a little while for a reply. Um, I'm also so super, super grateful to everyone who's been leaving five-star reviews over on iTunes. It means the world to me. Uh, I self-publish, I'm self-funded, and positive feedback like that really does make my day in the biggest way. Like, I'll text my friends and be like, oh my God, someone's written something amazing. So thank you. It means the world to me. Um, I hope you enjoy the show. Here it is, The Emma Gunn Show featuring author of Feel Good 101, Emma Blackery. I'm sitting with um, an author. How does that feel? Ooh, oh, that's weird. Yeah, author. Oh, I can add that to my Wikipedia page now. I'll be okay. <laughs> Do you keep an eye on your Wikipedia page? No, no, I don't. Absolutely not, because people like to edit it and do silly things to it. I didn't realise it was completely unpoliced and anyone could add to it yeah. until I interviewed a Hollywood star and I asked her a question and she went, where did you get your info? And I went, Wikipedia, and she just snorted. Mm. Yeah, never trust Wikipedia. <laughs> they, uh, they've said some things about me, those kids. Not in a horrible way, they just they think they're being funny. Mm. You know, and you just think, don't mess with this stuff, you know. But um, yeah, never trust Wikipedia. Okay. There'll be other bios somewhere, I'm sure. But we are, your book uh, comes out this week. Yeah, it's uh, three days away from the time of this this podcast. Well, not from the podcast, I suppose, mm. the interview the we're recording, doing. Yeah. September 7th is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I've already run, I'm absolutely so exhausted already. This week is going to be hectic. My book tour starts on the 7th as well. Oh, wow. So constantly, yeah, it's just all go this week. So I have a pre-copy, which I've never, yeah, never proof. had a pre-proof. In my hands oh, with the author. Um, the so this first is exciting. Of many. Um, the first of many. Yes. No, not from me, but from other people. I'm not. Oh. I'm, that's, that's not me pledging a Feel Good 102 or anything like that. Maybe. I don't know. Haven't decided. Did So the book is called Feel Good 101. Mm-hmm. And if you were to. This is the question you're going to get a lot. This is like actors who get to. So tell me what Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is about. Ooh. So what. If you had to sum it up in a nutshell, what is Feel Good 101? I've made it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is an advice book, primarily for teens. I would Mm -hmm. say people from the age of 12 to 19. But anybody can get Mm -hmm. advice from it at certain points in their life. Um, It was a book designed to simply make someone feel better about themselves and teach them that if there is something that they want to get or something in their mind they want to beat, they have to go out and do it themselves Mm -hmm. because life owes you nothing and life will give you nothing, you know, if you let it. That's really interesting. It um, could sound quite depressing. Yeah, but it's it's actually not. Yeah, it depends on how you take it, I Mm -hmm. think. You know, it depends on how you say it. Mm. I think if you say it as, oh, you know, life owes you nothing, I guess, then it sounds defeatist. But if, if, you, if you think of it as, life owes me nothing, so I'm going to go out and get it mm. myself, 
you know, it's all about how you turn it around, you know. Because I feel like maybe, like, I wasted a few years of my teenage life. You know, I always dreamed of, like, playing to crowds and being a musician and stuff. And I used to just sit in my bedroom and play guitar really badly. But I never did anything about it. Mm. You know, I never tried to join a band. I never tried to jam with other people. I never tried to write original music and record it and put it out there. I just had this dream. And I just used to say to myself, why can't I be big like Avril Lavigne? Why can't (laughs) I be famous? You know, I have these dreams. We do nothing about it. And it's the same with, like, mental health, which I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we'll go on to. Mm. You know, um, obviously, mental health stuff, which we'll come on to, it's not easy. And you can't just say, well, just don't be sad. You know, mm. the amount of times I've heard that in my life. Just smile and you'll be okay. Snap you out know. of it. Yeah, exactly. Man up, mm. right? Get over it. Other people have it worse. But, like, no matter how many times, you know, you, you, you're told, you know, just don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's not that simple. But mm. there are steps you can take, you know, in life to help you overcome these things, you know, whether that's getting therapy or going to a doctor or, you know, getting medication or talking to someone, mm. you know. But, I mean, we'll go on to that in a bit. But, you know, that's, that's really what the book's about, you know, about taking life and making it your bitch and, <laughs> you know, and, and doing what you want, getting what you want out of life. Why is that not on the cover? The world is your bitch. I don't think my publishers would allow it. But it is, that is a quote from a video that I made back in 2012. I said, your world is your bitch, yeah. That's that's your first output, if we look at your book as being output. Yeah. The first thing that you started doing was YouTube videos. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was the... the, I wish you had them. I wish you had them. Yeah. I... I, Do you know what? I would give... These people don't know what we're talking about just yet. But, yeah, I wish... I wish I'd kept them. Because you would read and mock (laughs) Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. I read it word for word uh, to camera and then after every sentence you could just see me visibly just cringing and complaining and going, why would she put them in there? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. You know, and um, I I think I got to episode 22 or something like that before the publishers stepped in (laughs) and did a legal takedown, which was essentially a threat of do it again and we'll sue you. You know, I didn't actually get a legal threat, but I had like a, a, a takedown warning on YouTube mm. saying if you do this again your channel will be shut down and stuff and so if I you're young out. and you yeah. don't know and I didn't know anything about copyright law so I just I freaked out and took it down which and but it would have been fine it was fair use you know it was um, constructive criticism mm. and uh, transformative so I could have kept them up and fought it but 2012 mm. you're young you're new to the platform you're starting to take off you don't want to jeopardise it you know and I took them all down and I wish I had them on a hard drive and I don't it's one of my biggest regrets because they were great. If I had um, had a letter like that in the similar situation, I would have got a power drill. I would have destroyed the laptop. <laughs> I would have buried it. It would have got, like you would have moved like yeah. moved to another country. Exactly. I would yeah. have like changed my hair overnight. Hey, I would have done these things if I wasn't twenty and living with my dad. I, I would probably still do the same now. <laughs> take a hammer to the laptop. It wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. My name's not Emma Blackery. It's Gemma. <laughs> bakery (laughs) i can see how you got it mixed up and you were one of these people and i've had um pixie woo on this Mm -hmm. show so they are i love them i know they're amazing um they were also uploading videos at a time before everyone knew quite how lucrative and Mm. uh far-reaching youtube was going to be and you were in a similar position i was on that tipping point Mm. 2012 like summer 2012 people had started to realize you could make a living out Mm. of it but it was so new then 
but it wasn't really you know conceivable you didn't look at youtube and go i'm going to be a full-time youtuber and i'm going to make lots of money from Mm. it it was a case of seeing it and going well these really big people can just about make a living that's cool i guess you know i just dreamed of having a lot of subscribers you know my (laughs) my original goal i think was like ten thousand subscribers i wanted to be like the people i was watching you know, like uh, like Dan and Phil and Charlie's So Cool Like and Carrie Hook Fletcher and these, you know, vloggers that just spoke to a camera. How weird mm. is that? Why are you talking to a camera? But I just wanted to do that and money was never really a part of it. But yeah, it was, I was, I was on that tipping point where mm. people knew about it, but it wasn't really a big thing. Now people say, I want to be a YouTuber basically means I want to be rich. Yeah. You know? And those things are not necessarily synonymous with each other. Well, no, and I think if you go into it with that, you lose the authenticity, which is what makes channels that are successful, like yours and Sam and Nick's. I've spoken to a ton of kids who, you know, they say, when I'm older, I want to be a YouTuber. And I asked them, why do you want to be a YouTuber? And they said, I just want to be big and have a big audience. And, you know, and I said, you've lost already. Mm. I've said that to them and it's not an easy thing to say to young people but if you're not going into it with the primary goal of making stuff that you love then you've you've already lost the game completely mm. you know because you're doing it for an ulterior motive you know you're doing it so that you can get up when you want you're doing it so you can earn money and it's not coming from a genuine place if you say you know I want to do a YouTube channel because I think I can contribute to a conversation I think I've got a niche that no one else has filled and you know it would also be nice to make money off that but that's not the main thing that's fine but there are so many people going into it these days you know doing clickbait stuff and you know being really fake you mm. know and just just to earn money because it's possible now although it's it's becoming less possible youtube's kind of you know screwing up a little bit with adverts these days well the whole hashtag ad and hashtag spawn is that's a thing yeah sponsorships are a different different kettle of fish but i mean it's it's more like you know the old way to make money on youtube was to um you know uh you'd you'd get adverts playing before the start of a video and then you'd have them at the end of a video and every one of them would be worth like maybe like a penny or two and then if you get a big audience like that translates you know back in like i'd say like the big glory days of youtube this is before my or just about my time but Mm. before i got before I made it (laughs) Um, back then maybe a thousand views would have been worth maybe like five pounds which is really good Mm. because you imagine getting a million views a month that's not that's a chunk of change yeah that's like five thousand pounds a month I think I'm not very good at math anymore I used to be (laughs) but now you know I mean and then like maybe a couple of years ago it was you know up to maybe like a, a pound or a thousand views which is a really easy way to calculate everything mm. but now it's kind of uh, no one knows what's going on anymore because adverts are being taken off and yeah it's all a bit of a mess so a lot of people rely on sponsorships now and it's like anything um, you figure out a way to make money out of it there's a bit of a boom and then people realize and then it stops exactly yeah, absolutely you know the, bu- the bubble's gonna burst like completely on youtube in the next couple of years i think mm. but that's just a theory i don't know so is the smart youtuber di- diversifying into things like books yeah <laughs> that's that's why everyone's now going on TV, making films and, you know, getting series and, like you said, getting books. Mm. There's people doing bakery lines, you know, like like coming out with baking, you know, production lines and stuff. It's it's it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's a smart thing to do. You can't mm. put all your eggs in one basket, especially when you don't control the basket. Mm. You know, when you're that's putting them in point. YouTube's basket, you know, you never know when they're just going to knock it over. Reading the book... 
in the first chapter it became really evident and I'm just going to quickly reference what that what the chapter is called because I like their names um, oh yeah I, I gave them all really weird names I don't know why so chapter one is chasing your dreams brackets and not running out of breath <laughs> get it because you're chasing <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was great and I <laughs> felt like from reading that it was I felt like you were always going to find a way to do your own thing. You were never going to be a nine-to-fiver. Yeah, I mean, I have been. I have been a nine-to-fiver when I was a waitress. Mm. Didn't last all that long. Yeah, that's why I didn't (laughs) think it was going to be a lifelong career. I mean, the thing is, I I never... As as annoying as this might sound, as pretentious as this might sound, someone saying it on the red carpet or something, I genuinely didn't plan for this. Mm. Which sounds, you know, silly. Everyone always says, you know, you seem like someone who's always known what they've wanted. Absolutely not. You know, um, the YouTube thing, I, I originally started it to escape from my nine to five job, not to quit the nine to five job and do it, but as a way of, you know, giving me something to look forward to on my days off. Mm. I was living at home with my dad. I was working from maybe sometimes like 730 in the morning all the way to about 5 p.m. at night, like barely any break. Mm. You know, I was taking dirty nappies off of tables. I was running an entire kitchen by myself. I was getting yelled at by my bosses. Because, you know, I can be a little bit... I can be a bit abrasive. <laughs> but, you know, I don't really like being told what to do. But, um, yeah, I saw it as an escape, you know, a hobby. You know, and it started from there. So it was never a case of, oh, this is my big plan. I'm going to get out. Mm. It did just sort of happen. But it didn't happen out of nothing. I worked hard for it. Mm. I, I saw an opportunity that came by fluke, and then I, I took it on, you know, and I did something with it rather than just going, oh, yeah, well, that's great, you know, oh, don't worry about it. I actually took it and thought, right, this is my chance, mm. you know, and that's, that's what life's all about. That's how people get successful. They see a chance and, and take it. Um, I've had Sally Hughes on the show, and she talks about luck and how the fact of it's about taking that luck and capitalising on it, seeing the opportunity and yeah. running with it. Um, you mentioned then about pretentious and I think let's just get this out of the way quite quickly mm-hmm. I think young people millennials mm. get a really bad rap yeah and particularly young people who make money on uh social, social media, media platforms yeah. or some kind of tech they get an even worse rap absolutely um what kind how have have you experienced that I get off pretty lightly if I'm honest compared to some of my friends who get apps? Who get their names dragged through the mud in national mm. newspapers? You know, they get photos of them taken outside the house wearing no makeup. Mm. You know, they get absolutely slaughtered on forums online and stuff. I have it pretty good. You know, I I, I don't know why that is. I don't know. You know, I I can't differentiate my success from their success. Mm. But yeah, I've had I've I've certainly had people commenting saying, "How can you? You know, how can you complain about your life? How can you say you've got problems? You know, you get up when you want, you do what you want, you have it easy." Is that what people think success is? Getting up when you want? That's well, that's kind of how I see it, to be honest. <laughs> now that I've you know, since I've had to get up at half six in the morning, but but um, you know, I, I think it's ultimately in any job prospect, it's it's harmful to say to someone your mental health, you know can be erased it's not it's not valid mm. because of what you do you know it's like your brain can't be going wrong you can't think these things because you have money mm. you know it's not like i own a house you know you know it's it's not you know we're not all multi-millionaires some of us are mm. for sure but that doesn't negate the fact that social media can be extremely hard to deal with mm. you know um 
for instance, I said this um, to the earlier today, actually, to someone. Um, when I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar, um, I wouldn't have random strangers walk in and go, you're ugly, your nose is hideous, you know, get a life, and then mm. walk back out. I wouldn't have that. No, random people wouldn't come up to me. But because of anonymity online, people can just say what they want, mm. you know, and, and they see you as a brand. They see you as an entity. They don't see you as a human, mm. you know. And again, this isn't, this isn't even me complaining, you know, this is the facts. Yeah, and this is this is an ingrained thing. I always apologize for complaining mm. because we have to. We have to say, I know I, I know I don't have it hard. I'm not complaining. I'm very lucky. You know, and I am. Mm. I am certainly lucky, but at the same time, I've worked hard for what I have. I I know I've worked hard. So whatever what other people think, I don't really care. Mm. But you know, yeah, it can be hard. Like the pressures online. You know, you have to think about everything you say. Another point before we, before, you know, I'm sure you have so many points to go on to, but this is another point that I thought was, I think I mentioned it in the book, maybe not, but say that uh, back in 2012, 2013, you posted on your Facebook something really throwaway, like back in the old days, it was cool to say something was gay. Mm. Like it's like it's a negative term, like, oh, you like Star Wars? That's so gay. Mm. Like it was something that you know, people did, like, of my age, I suppose. Say that you said that five years ago. You know, you now, you don't get brought back on that. Like, no one sees that because it's in the past. Mm. You know, um, they will see that as something that you said five years ago because it's dated five years ago. Mm. Um, it would have been left in the past and then no one else will see it because it will go down your feet. But when you're a YouTuber or any kind of social media personality, if you have videos online, it doesn't matter when they're published because that person is seeing that video in the present. Right. So what you said five years ago is now present again, you know? Mm. So something that you said that might have been bad advice or you might have said something accidentally homophobic or something that would be seen as intolerant out of ignorance or something mm. like that, that's now not something that you did, but something that you are constantly doing because it's still available for people to watch, mm. you know? People don't see you as someone that has moved on and grown. They see every single year of growth of you just as the same person, you know? How do you... I feel like even just you saying that would make me want to want to police myself really, really hard. Yeah. It would probably There's make my so videos really pressure. bad. Yeah, I mean, I've... I mean, uh, about a year ago, I was so careful of everything I said. This isn't a, you know, this isn't me going off on the PC brigade or whatever. Mm. It's nothing to do with that at all. But I would make a video and then I'd edit it, and it would take longer to edit than it did to film because mm. I'd be sitting there saying, oh, would, "Is someone going to get annoyed with this? Is this going to be taken the wrong way? You know, is what? How is someone going to counter my point? You know, and I went into everything thinking, how is someone going to make me the enemy out of me saying this joke or something like that? Right. And there's no way to live because you're filtering yourself. Mm. And when people say, you know, oh, YouTubers, they're so fake. There's a reason that a lot of them are so fake. It's because they're terrified. <laughs> They've got a good thing going and they don't want to ruin it, you know? So they'll play their little happy ukulele music in the background <laughs> of a video and they'll come across all twee and happy. Hey, guys, I'm doing a what's in my bag tag because it's inoffensive. <laughs> Because they're scared of backlash. Yeah. The media already absolutely hate millennials. They already hate YouTubers. They hate that people are making money at the ages of 20, 21, mm. you know? So anything they, they can pick up on, they will. Anything they can capitalise on to bring us down, they will. Do you think jealousy is why uh, people have a dim view of millennials 
in large part because they... No, what have they got to be jealous of? What can they... Are they jealous of us not being able to afford houses? <laughs> are they jealous of, uh, you know, us being blamed for everything? You know, uh, we're, we're the cause of uh, the decrease in libraries, the decrease in sales of washing powder. What's there to be jealous of? What do we have? But, you, but some might but say youth? you've grown youth. up when We've it's... Youth. But, yeah, and technology, maybe. That's it. Maybe. But Life has never been easier with technology and more connected. I'd rather be part of a generation that had their own three-bedroom house at the age of 21, you know? <laughs> yeah, you Didn't have zero-hour contracts. I think I'd rather be part of that generation. But it's just, it's, it's always really funny to me because I don't, I don't like this attack on any generation because mm. I know how it feels being a millennial or whatever. So I know what it's like having your entire generation targeted. But it's just kind of funny to me that even like sometimes my dad will say, oh, you know, kids these days, they don't go out and get things. They don't want to do, they just, they're so entitled. They just want to sit around doing stuff. And my answer to that is, well, who made us? <laughs> who raised us? Who gave birth to us? That you're you're digging your own hole mm. if you're blaming us. Who made us? <laughs> Who taught us these things? It was you. Who put the boundaries in place? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, back in back, you know, twenty thirty years ago, you didn't have student debt that was like twenty five grand, thirty grand. You know, like nine grand a year. Now I think I didn't go to university, but you know, they didn't have that. They had their own houses. They had job security. I but, know. But They're... yeah, we're the bad ones. We suck. You know, it's terrible. The whole millennial attack thing. Well, no wonder they need... No wonder millennials need a handbook, which is what you've provided. Thank you for bringing me back around to that. I, I love that you're the one talking about the book, and I, I keep going off topic. I'm so sorry. But, yeah, it's it's just... The book was meant for, for people growing up between the ages of when I was, when I was at my most self-conscious, and feeling the most helpless, mm. and not knowing where I was, who I was, because, you know, I don't like being patronising, and I am only 25. Mm -hmm. But when I was 13, 14, people who were my age and above used to say, you have no idea who you are yet. And I used to think, really? You're going to say that to me? I know who I am. I know everything about myself, you know. And, and people would say, you've got so much to learn about the world, you know. And now I'm sitting here to a 13-year-old saying, mm -hmm. you don't know yourself yet, guys. There's so much to learn about the world. You know, because it's true. Um, we should dig into the chapter that's labelled the brain stuff. Okay. Because Let's this, get heavy. Yeah, this is quite heavy. And you actually do... Uh, the chapter comes with a disclaimer of, this is heavy. Yeah. Um, if you're not ready for it, come back later. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's very personal. It talks about mental health stuff that maybe someone's not prepared, you know, wasn't prepared to read. Mm. To jump straight in on chapter two to suddenly be like, boom! Depression, mm. boom, anxiety, boom, self-harm. Mm. You know, I thought maybe it would just be nice to just have a page being like, you might want to just grab a tea, <laughs> you know, ask yourself if you're ready to read about this stuff. Because obviously, you know, um, we were talking very briefly before the podcast, talking about knowing what triggers off uh, like mm -hmm. a bad case of mental health, like episodes and stuff like yeah. that. And it might be the case of me talking about it in a book might be a trigger for someone. Yeah. And I just, I thought a page like that can't hurt anybody. No, yeah. and there's another really significant page in that chapter, which is actually a page that you've written mm -hmm. for somebody to rip out yeah. and give to a parent or guardian, teacher, everyone likes whatever that it page. might be. Yeah, everyone I've spoken to is really happy that page is in. Because, and I've talked about it on this podcast and I told you before we recorded, I only realised that a lot of the feelings I'd had and sort of struggles I had dealt with was were anxiety last mm -hmm. year. I'm 39. Yeah. But, so I, I'm able to use my words. <laughs> 
Absolutely. and communicate with but people. But imagine being 13, 14. I would yeah. have wanted somebody to have said mm-hmm. it for me or at least given me the vocabulary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I mean, I, I mention it in the book, luckily. I put it all in the book so that I didn't have to constantly go into my own personal life and my own personal experiences yeah. with it. It's in the book if you want to read it. I'm not going to bore anyone here. But I think I was around 13, 14 when I first started feeling depressed. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're young. How can you be sad? How can you be depressed? You're, you know, you're a teenager. You're a wee puppy. You know nothing about the world. Depression can start at any age. Mm. You know, especially it can be onset in the you know, early teens. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what it was. Even 10 years ago at 13, I didn't know what depression was. Mm. No one had, a, you know, there was a word for it, but it wasn't used. You know, it was used in severe cases. You know, otherwise you were just sad. And it was something you to know. be scared of. Depression was something to it was, be yeah. feared. Yeah, it was something that, you know, if you had it, whoa, stay away from him. He has depression. Mm. You know, um, but back then, I didn't even know what it was. I wasn't even educated. I just thought I was feeling sad for no reason. Everyone else just saying, what have you got to be sad about? Which makes you feel even more sad mm-hmm. and more crazy because you don't understand your own brain. You've mm. got hormones going on. You've got crushes on people who don't like you back. <laughs> you know, uh, I had my parents separating. You know, all this stuff was was bundled up in my head. And I would have loved to have spoken about it with my parents. And it wasn't their fault that I didn't feel comfortable sitting down. Mm. It was more a case of, I don't know what's going on, so how can I tell someone what's going on if I don't know what's going on? Mm. Um, And also the irrational sort of fear of, what if this person gets angry? What if they think I'm letting them down? What if Mm. they think they're letting me down? How do I even sit them down and say this without bursting into tears? Mm. I wouldn't, at the age of 13, 14, I wouldn't have even dared imagine, like, saying to my dad, can I sit down and talk with you? I I wouldn't have, it never would have happened. Never. And it wasn't my dad's fault. Mm. It wasn't that he didn't make me feel comfortable. It's just society making you feel super weird and the fear of thinking, you know, is this going to go wrong? You know, my brain acts irrationally sometimes, but I think we all have that fear of mm. being vulnerable and opening up to people. But that page hopefully puts it into simple enough terms of, hey, your child wants to talk with you. Um, they think they're struggling with depression. Don't laugh it off. Don't think they're being stupid. Mm. Just sit down and listen. I wanted to say sit down, shut up, and just let <laughs> them talk. But I thought that might that might make the parents a bit more aggressive. Yeah. So I thought, you know, just be kind and just say, Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, listen to your child. They really need you right now. Just go and give them love and support. You know, 
And I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I like to think that at the age of 13, I would have ripped that page out and put it on my dad's pillow mm. and, you know, and hope for, for the best. Yeah. You know, and hope that he'd knock on the door. In many ways, is this the book that you would have, you would go back in time? That's exactly why I wrote it. Yeah, it's the book that I wish I had. There weren't books like that 10 years mm. ago, you know, or 12 years ago. There just, just weren't books aimed towards teenagers saying, you are going to be going through some stuff. Teenage life is hard. Mm. You know, there's a lot that, you know, that there's a lot that goes on that makes you feel really, really bad. And it's sort of labelled growing pains or it's labelled like, you know, your teenage Yeah, exactly. Years, it's almost like a Oh, you're just lightweight. a stroppy teenager. Mm. It's just adolescence. Oh, these kids these days, they're so sad. You know, and I wanted to write a book that basically said, hey, it's going to suck. You're mm. going to be fine. Just take it a day at a time. You know, get what you want out of life. Be confident in yourself and talk about your feelings and know that they're okay. They're valid. Yeah. You know. I think looking back at my teen years, I feel like it was like a second dose of terrible twos. Oh, yeah. It's like teething, but without yeah, the teeth. Of, you know, what I, what I presented mm-hmm. didn't fit, wasn't what I was trying to get across. Yeah, absolutely. It's like uh, you get your, your wires will mix up. Yeah. You know, you're trying to uh, be happy about something, you end up snapping. Or, yeah. You know, and, and that's not trying to be patronising, saying, oh, it's hormones. But no, really, it is, it is hormones and it is mm. the stresses. And again, if you've got like parents separating and crushes who don't like you back and all these things going on at the same time, not to mention friends who will bitch inevitably, you'll have a bad friend who and does something. And not can we talk about the exam system? It's got so much worse, hasn't it? I, you know, it was bad. I'm sure it was. It was bad when you back were back in my day. Back yes. in your day, it was bad. Back in my day, these yeah. these days, it's way worse. The kids are the curriculum now. Like you know, the amount of homework they've got, the stress they've got. It's just know. too intense. It's it's so much. I mean, we want. I think we. Oh, well, isn't the UK one of the uh, leading countries in in how much homework there is? Apparently, Something like in a lot of countries in Europe and Japan. Well, maybe not Japan. I don't know, but, but like Europe, uh, they do like barely any homework. Hardly any at all. And the kids are so much happier. I just subscribe to the idea because I'm not someone who was ever good at exams. I never read the question mm. and processed what they wanted me to say. Yeah. I just put everything I knew on underneath yeah. it. So I, I very much subscribe to that belief of it was like, don't ask uh, all the animals in the animal kingdom to swim because only some of them can. That's like, true. Yeah. I like that phrase. That's it's, very true. It's much snappier than that. I've got it wrong, but there's just like a cartoon or something, and it's just you can't you can't make a fish climb a tree or exactly. something like that, wasn't it? That was that was one of the phrases I heard. But it's yeah. true with with any you know well most education systems around the world you know they they started out you know in a lot of them started in Victorian times in the UK mm-hmm. where it's just you know they they were teaching kids how to work in factories essentially you know that's why the benches were all long lines this is what I heard I don't know if this is completely true I'll be <laughs> honest but I heard that literally schools were a way of teaching you how to work in a factory because that's what they would do mm-hmm. when they left school so all the benches would be in a straight line you know you'd all wear uniforms mm-hmm. you'd all have a certain designated break time you'd start at you know a certain time end at a certain time that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true, but it's very... How interesting. You know, yeah. Imagine, if that is true, how fascinating is that? That they put everyone in a box to teach them how to all do the same job. Mm. But now things aren't like that. Mm. Not everyone works in the same factory anymore. You know, now it's... Every kid is different. Well, we also talked about um, the link between the creative brain and anxiety and depression. Yeah, we do. Before we started recording. I think... I honestly think that there's a lot to that. I think there's a correlation. I, I mean, I, I don't think either of us would say, you know, if you're not a creative type, then you can't be depressed. Quite. Of course. But, I mean, 
there does seem to be some sort of correlation between mm-hmm. those who try to convey their emotions artistically and mental health, you know. But, I mean, it, that would have to be a scientific, you know, mm. uh, re- research thing. So, yeah, <laughs> that's how good I am at, at science, a thing. But if you didn't have the outlet that you had, yeah, do you think that your mental health would have been different? I don't know. They, that's a good point because I, like I said, even though I, I was certainly very unhappy during my time as a waitress, doing mm. full-time feeling trapped, you know, thinking I've wasted my time, I haven't gone to university and having those regrets and feeling bullied in the workplace. Whilst I was very sad, and I, I you know, I, I, I would say borderline, yeah, depressed and unhappy. Social media, whilst it's given me an outlet to, like I said before, get up when I want, do what I want, you know, uh, live on my own at the age of 25, mm-hmm. be happy and, air quotes, successful... At the same time, as I think we was uh, we were just saying, you know, the pressure to uh, to get everything right, to say the right thing, to look right, to, to mm-hmm. you know get everything perfect, and then to be scrutinized and to be criticized over every single thing you do, it's not natural. It's not normal. You know, people in everyday societies, in offices, they don't do that. Mm. You know, people don't pick you up on every word you say because they see all of you. But with social media, because you only pick certain things to upload, they only see a snapshot of you. Mm. You know, so you essentially control, you have to control what you put out there. You know, let's say in a working environment, if you, if you, if you say a joke and it doesn't land and it's rubbish, people forget it by the end of the day because mm. they've seen you do other things and they've forgotten what you did. But online, when you post something, they, that's, that's, that's a famous rule, wasn't it? You know, once it's online, it's there forever. Yeah. That's very true. It's come back to haunt many of my friends as well. Things have said, you know, years and years ago when they were children, you know. But do you think the fact that because your content is very honest? Yeah. I, I think that's helped. Yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing. I think while some people will choose to only upload um, a certain genre of something mm. and they will put on, I wouldn't say like a performance, mm. you know, I'm not saying that they're being fake. I'm saying that they are putting out the most polished version of themselves which is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. if anything it's probably a very smart thing whereas I put out content where I'm sometimes I'm crying (laughs) you know I've put out videos where I've burst into tears before and I've just always I've tried to be honest at all times Mm. you know I mean there's there's things in my life I keep private you know everyone's got to have a private life but I like to think that I I upload the good and the bad Mm. because I am still just a person and that's the thing that I want to maintain with my YouTube channel with my music and with tweets and stuff is that you might see oh emma blackery oh i hate her she's horrible she's this you know megalith of of you know self-confidence but she's so annoying like i'm still just a person who lives the same 24 hours as you Mm. you know i I mean everyone has everyone has the same 24 hours that beyonce does (laughs) that's that's a phrase i heard on a mug i think i saw it on a mug it was definitely insta quote yeah it's definitely on a (laughs) mug but um Everyone has 24 hours in a day, mm. whereas, you know, sometimes you'll see 20 hours of someone if you live with them, or maybe you'll see five minutes a week if you watch them online. Mm. You know, it's all about context. And I try to give people context of my life, you know, without, there's a fine line between oversharing and being honest, you mm. know, and you have to be careful of that boundary. And I think I've got it right. Do you feel like having the struggles with anxiety and depression mm. made you... The, the thing you said earlier about when you were 30 you said but I do know myself don't don't tell me that I don't know who I am yet mm. 
do you feel like now actually because you've gone through all of that you have a much stronger sense of self and that helps you I'm getting there slowly I don't think you'd be able to write this book if yeah. you didn't have a strong sense of self well I don't know I mean the thing is I go through phases you know I know everyone changes their hair occasionally especially when you break up with someone mm. you know apparently you know the rule is if she doesn't want to get back with you she's cut and changed her hair color you know <laughs> um but I I mean I'm I'm only 25 you know there's so much that I have to learn mm. you know I'm not going to be the same person at the age of 40 as I am now I mean I don't know if you're the same as you were when you were 25 probably. thank god no exactly you know, and I, when I'm when I'm 39, hopefully I'll be saying thank God no, <laughs> because I will be wiser and I'll be smarter. Um, I wrote, I learned a lot about myself writing that book. You know, is is one of the things that I that I gained from writing it. You know, is that I went back and read all the stories. You know, I I wrote these these stories from my life that I'd pushed at the back of my mind and forgotten about, and then brought them to the surface in this book and thought I have grown from this. I wouldn't do this now. Mm. or I, I do this differently you know and it, it helps you learn who you are now but that's not to say I'm going to be this person forever hopefully not hopefully I will be even smarter even wiser even calmer even kinder you know I don't know I think maybe um, this is it but there's I think <laughs> everybody has an internal toolkit mm. and if you don't make sure that that toolkit is in place then you can uh what's the word I'm looking for you can you can get swayed by a relationship or by mm. other people's opinions. I most certainly have. But I don't past. feel like that about you now. Yeah, neither do I, which mm. is an optimistic thing. I, I think, you know, back, you know, in the past, maybe when I was like 19, 20, if I started dating a guy who was really into comics, I'd really want to get into comics, <laughs> even though I can't stand comics and I don't really like them. And I, you know, I've sometimes pretended like, oh, yeah, comics are great. I just, you know back then I'm you know I'd, I'd try my hardest to and that's not a bad thing trying your hardest to like what you know your partner likes mm-hmm. but I would have pretended probably to be more interested than I was whereas now I'd say well it's not my thing but I think it's awesome that you like it and you've got something that you enjoy mm-hmm. it's just not my thing and you can't make me come to this stupid convention of yours <laughs> you know um I think yeah I, I I do know a lot more about myself and I'm I'm less eager to please other people if it displeases me now like um, in the past, I mean, I've I've been subject to online criticism before, you know, you know, you know, comments and on forums and stuff, and it used to really get to me. Mm. It used to really mess with my head when someone the the most common um, comment I used to get that was considered like a hate comment or something was, "Oh, I hate Emma Lackery. She's so annoying," and. The annoying thing about that comment is they would never explain why. <laughs> they would say she's annoying, but never really give a reason for it. You know, if they'd said, well, you're just really brash and you've got strong opinions, I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, this channel's you don't not like for you. My, yeah, you don't like my opinions. But when someone just says something vague, like, she's so annoying, mm. you start thinking, well, how can I be less annoying? What, what makes me annoying? You know, should I change myself? And again, that comes down to me censoring my content a few years ago, worrying about saying the wrong thing. Mm. You know, this desire to please the people who already didn't like me rather than focus on the people who already loved me you know, uh, these these people were predisposed to find something bad about me no matter what. Yeah. You know, and the, the thing is, and this is something I said in the book as well, I think it's towards the end. You can't make people like you if they've decided that they don't like you. Mm. You know, there are people that I, that I have in my life where I, I, I look at them and I go, I don't like you. Don't say it to them. But there are people you just naturally don't like. Yeah. Personality, you can't get on with everybody. And that's the great thing about personalities. Mm. But... 
I would hate for that person to try and then try change everything about themselves to please me mm. you know i wouldn't even want that even as someone that hated them because mm. i'd probably just find something else to not like about them because <laughs> my brain has already decided you don't like this person stay away from them you know but i used to focus so much on what people thought of me mm. and now I, w- I would say over the past year maybe since maybe i don't know if it's in correlation to me writing the book or whether it's just me growing into myself but i i care less now you know, I'm focusing more on the people who love and support me and mm-hmm. come to my tours, you know, come to my shows, come to the book tour, buy the book, you know. They're the people that I should have always been putting my energy into. And I can translate, you know, anyone can translate into their, that into their private lives as well. Mm. You know, focus, don't focus on the person who gives you evil looks in the office, you know. They don't matter. Come 5 p.m., they're not in your life anymore. Yeah. You know, go home to the people who care about you. Hang out with people who do like you for who you are. Don't keep trying to make friends with someone who doesn't want you as a friend. But it's that typical thing of if somebody says you can't have something. Oh, we all want what we can't have, right? Including the friendship of others. Exactly. Absolutely. I've done it. I've been so guilty of it. If I know, And it's almost like I realised only in the last two years, it's almost like I have a heat-seeking missile. Mm. I can tell the person in the room who thinks I'm a dick. Yeah. And then I do everything I can to try and make them like me. Mm. And then the people who do That's think no Emma's all right, it's like, why are you being a dick? Mm. So you can't, so you just have to... There's, there's no point. Yeah, exactly. Trying to please other people will mean you're displeasing a new set of people. Because personalities are completely mm. different. And it's okay to be incompatible with people. Mm. You know, there's zero point in wasting your time trying to please people because you know they don't like you. They think you're a dick, so what? It doesn't actually change anything about your life. Do I you think know? I'm a dick? Do you think you're a dick? Maybe in maybe in a positive way, but I don't think I'm a dick. I'm a dick. dick. I'm a complete dick. But I know that I'm also a good person. You know? I, I have many redeeming qualities, but I can also be a dick yeah. to some people. Yeah. You know, some people will but that's the thing. While some people will perceive me as, you know, oh you're such a you're such a dick. <laughs> you know, other people will say, Oh, that was really brave of you. That was really bold of you to say that and stand up for yourself and stand up for us. That's quite a responsibility though, I mean. It's scary. Yeah, responsi- feeling responsible for other people you've never met is terrifying, yeah. It's not fun. Is do you get quite a lot of communication from people? I feel like I'm a mother to over a million people sometimes, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you're responsible. I mean, with your own children, how you act directly impacts them. Mm. If you, if you, um, if you're with your child, this is a really abstract analogy. I'm sorry for this one. But say that you are um, taking your four-year-old child to school and uh, you get to a busy road and uh, the traffic light says you've got to stop. But the road is clear. And you're already running late, and you say to your five-year-old, no, come on, come on, let's go, 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 while it's clear, while it's clear. You might think you're doing the right thing by getting your kid to school on time. But you just taught your kid that, well, if the road is clear, you can run across it. If you think you can make it, you can run across it. Mm. And um, in, in that kind of analogy of also real life, I actually, I, I make a point of not running across any road if there's a child nearby now. <laughs> Even if I could make it, I'll wait a couple of minutes for the lights to change, because that kid could look at me and go, well, that person ran across the road. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You can relate that back to YouTube if you mm. think about it. You know, if you do something with the best of intentions, but it has other consequences, someone you might not even know could pick up on it and go, well, this person did that. So I should be able to do that. Whereas every situation is different. Mm. You know, um, as much as people say, I can relate your story to my story. Those two stories are still different. You know, they've got different impacts on people. So, yeah, sometimes it can be scary giving advice, mm. which is why I said in the book, every, in every chapter, it always says, your scenario is different. Mm. Your situation is so different to mine, you know? 
Vicky you're very clear are. about that. You yeah, are. yeah. And I really like the um, the chapter actually on parents and how at some point you have to see yourself as an adult and you have to see them as an adult, not as your parents. Mm. You have to see them as fallible adults Flawed who people. are figuring life out. Yeah. They don't have all the answers. Absolutely. You know, like I said in the book, the second that I started treating my parents as adults and not my parents, well, not just my parents, mm. you know, I learned so much more about them. You know, when you're when you're a child or a teenager and you're you're angry that you know, well, well, Sally got the new you know Adele CD and I didn't get it. I don't know. I'm throwing an example out. You know, it's easy to get angry and go, oh, my parents suck. They're so horrible. They always shout at me. But you're not able to see money stresses. You're not able to see they've got bills coming in. Mm. You know, there's always going to be a reason why they're stressed and why they're angry. There's a reason behind it. No one is just irrationally. Well, some people, I suppose, are irrationally angry, but it's very rare. There's usually a cause for it. So understand that. Sit down and, you know, with your parents and ask them, are they okay? You know, all right, it's not your job to be the parent in mm. the relationship, but, but realize that everybody has problems. You know, and just because you're a parent doesn't mean that, um, that you're absolutely perfect and you've got life figured out and, and you're completely zen at all times and nothing can get to you. Of course it can. Mm. Adult life is probably more stressful. You know, I'm not not here to... I don't want to make generations compete, but, you know, with bills and stuff, man, sometimes sometimes I wish I could just be back at school. And when I was at school, <laughs> I used to say, I can't wait to leave. And almost every adult I know says, God, wasn't school so easy? It was a simpler time. Yeah, and of course, that will make, that will make uh, younger people listening feel really angry, being like, you don't know how difficult we have it. It's so stressful. Mm. Yeah, I've been there. I did school, and it sucked. <laughs> but I didn't have to pay bills, so that was a thing. I didn't have to pay taxes. And you got a long summer holiday. Yeah. And, you know, if, if a, you know, I mean, bullying is terrifying and terrible, you know, but at least, you know, you're able to get away from them at, at 4 p.m. every day. It's terrifying while you're there. And I'd never try and belittle it. I'd never try and say it's not a problem. I think bullying but, is worse now because it can continue on social media. Oh, exactly. Media. Yeah, that's very true. That's very, very true. Yeah, I suppose it's not and just I, in the school. Um, I think I'm thinking back to my old mm. school days where it was just in in school. You yeah. could get away from them. I suppose you can't now. That's a good point. And there's bullying by exclusion and... Yeah. I, think the, the, uh, I just... There's so much pressure on kids now. You've got to keep up with the latest stuff and... And they have to... I think they have to develop a sense of self earlier. Yeah, you've got to become an adult at the age of 13 now. You know, and you're expected to be. You know, you get called out online for saying something when you're 14. Mm. You know, the dumb shit that I probably said when I was 13, 14, you know? Well, the dumb stuff I probably did, but I never would have been called out on it because there wasn't the platform to do so. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a good point. That is, that's a very good point. I've got point. some choice poetry from back in the day. Really? Yeah, that I just doesn't... I, the, I had one piece of poetry published in the school mm. magazine about racism and it, and I found it recently because my school had gone back and they'd scanned every single old school magazine and oh, I was no. like, maybe it was better than I thought and I read it and it was so embarrassing. Oh, no. It was just directed at this one girl who had called me a, a racist word and I was like, right, I will get my anger out on paper via this I will poem. be artistic about this. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, but it was pretty bad. But, you know, I mean, that's the other thing. I can't even give advice about what you should have done, you know, especially on a public forum. You know, I can't mm. say you should have punched her in the face <laughs> because someone listening will go, well, Emma thinks it's OK to punch her bullies in yeah. the face. You know, as much as I would love to say that about my own bullies, you but know, that's I what's really, her in the face. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell other people to do that. But that's what's really nice about this book, because what you're you're not saying this is what you should do, mm. because this is what I would do. You're saying 
this is what happened to me and this is how I dealt with it. And in each and every single yeah. chapter, pretty much, it's you figuring out and figuring it out internally. Yeah. You don't ask retroactively anyone, as yeah. well. You don't ask anyone else's opinion. You just say, well, how do I feel about this? Hmm. Uh, pretty much, the whole book is like a conversation with myself and people are listening, you know, and I, I like that. Were I'm you, glad it comes across that way. I'm very relieved it comes across like that. Well, I must admit, I, I thought, I was excited to read it. Even when I read the chapter names, I thought, I, I like this already. Also, because you say work with an E. Oh, yeah. You gotta work it. You gotta work it. Um, my, um, my editor uh, thought I made a typo and tried to correct <laughs> it. And it was quite funny. You're like, no. You'd better work it, <laughs> dear lass. You know. But um, it's written really nicely. Thank you. And was, is writing... I know you're a songwriter. Yeah. But writing a song and writing a book are two very different things I know absolutely um, when I was I mean at school I absolutely loved creative writing you know I used to write short stories mm. you know and I, I used to get like the top grade and I used to be like oh look at me I'm top of the class I was I, you know I I, uh, I was gonna eventually go on to university and study linguistics and stuff I wanted to get a doctorate in it um, and then anxiety got the better of me and I couldn't leave couldn't leave my home mm. but um, yeah I love creative writing you know I, it was always my my thing um, yeah, but but I never imagined that I'd write a book. You know, that, that's the thing. Uh, I, the whole journey started because this time last year I made a video saying, you know, I used to say a lot about YouTubers that wrote books. I used to call them sellouts. I used to say, you know, oh, you probably didn't even write it yourself. And, oh, look at all this stuff you're telling to impressionable teenagers trying to, you know, get them to give you money. You know, I used to say all these spiteful things um, until one day my sister, who was then, I think, eight saw a magazine with uh, Zoella on the front of it and we were in like we were in like uh, a news agent so she saw it and her eyes lit up and she went Emma look that's Zoella and I looked at her and went you know you 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 know who's you know who Zoella is she was like yeah and her boyfriend and she lists she's like listing off all these YouTubers and I was like you watch YouTube at eight you know and her face when she saw YouTubers and I thought all this time like I could you know, these these books that these, these YouTubers have been writing, regardless of controversy over them, mm. they're making people happy. And you don't have to buy them. Mm. You don't want to, you know? If they make someone happy, you know, what's the problem with them? Mm. And that's when I, I made that video saying I was wrong about it. I said, I think I said in the video, like, am I going to write a book? I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day. But if I do, it'll be you know, advice or something. You know, mm. I said it'll be something that has a positive impact. And then the very next day, I woke up to an email from uh, my publisher's who, uh, who said, we've waited for you to make this video for so long. We've wanted you to write a book for so long. You know, and that showed to me that you know, they, they watched my videos mm. outside of you know, just trying to get me to write a book. They actually cared about me. You know, and so we started the process about a year ago. And now I have a book. And now you're about to embark on the tour. Oh, yeah. Are you knackered? I'm already knackered and it's Monday. Do you have feel good one hundred and one fatigue in the best possible way of? Yeah, because it's been a year. Mm. Like it's it's this this has been a year long journey now. You know, just over a year. So I mean, the the first draft took me about six months. Took me until April to to finish the first draft. Decent. It's a lot harder than I thought writing a book. You know, and then uh, I had a couple months to go back over it. So you had to reread the whole thing, change things, rearrange things, put chapters in different orders and all that stuff um yeah and it took it took maybe i think it was like may or june i think i gave the final final edit you know and then it was no longer my baby it was everybody's 
you know, it's still my baby, but it's mm. everybody's child to read now. Is that yeah. quite um, scary? Mm. Scary. It's daunting that you know, come Thursday or you know September seventh, for context, <laughs> everybody's going to read all these stories that they didn't know about me before. You know, so there's nothing like horrendous in there. I'm not. No. I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's tarnishing anything. But my point is, this is the most vulnerable and open I've ever been. You know, like as much as I say I like being honest, and I do, I've never. I've never shared this much, mm. especially in one go. Obviously, imagine me making a video talking about all of those things. No, It'd be like it, it ten is. hours it's, long. It, I think I don't know if raw is the right word because it's not. Um, it's not sensationalist or anything like that no. at all. It's just very factual. Mm. And like you say, that second chapter where you say you might not be ready for this. Yeah, it is. It's an intense chapter. Yeah, it is. Um, well, basically, the chapter two, I. It wasn't originally chapter two. I think it was like chapter 10 or something. It was going to go near the end of the book. Mm. That's sort of like a footnote footnote of all these, you know, um, niceties like, oh, getting over a crush and losing your virginity and having bad friends. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, a bit about mental health. Mm. And then my publishers, they sat down and said, we really think this needs to be at the start of the book. Yeah. And I said, why? And they said, because it's so important. You know, and it needs to come across as important as it is. And uh, so I, I agreed, but it was the most daunting chapter. Do you think part of wanting to put it towards the end was a little... was oh, Subconsciously, yeah. I was scared of it, I think. Yeah. That was the one that I dreaded writing. Because, mm. I mean, the rest of the book, you know, it, I, I don't want to say it came easy, because writing a book is not easy. But it was a case of, you know, sort of plain sailing of, this is my story, just going to tell it, this is what I learned, you know, here's my advice, yada, 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 mm. yada. Yeah, that was a long slog. That was like five months worth or, or however long it was. But then I got to this chapter and I couldn't avoid it anymore. Mm. And I knew that I knew that I wanted to talk about these things because they were such a big part of my life. Anxiety and depression, mm. the two main ones. I knew that because they defined a huge chunk of my life, I had to talk about them. Because otherwise, what's the point in writing a book about you, yourself? You were able to paint a picture, as I said. Um, I can't remember if I said it when we were recording or before. But you painted a picture and there were passages, there are pockets of that chapter where I thought you'd stolen it from my brain. Yeah, you said, which, which is which is impo- great. Yeah, it's amazing because it means that it, what I was feeling, I wasn't alone in that. Mm. You know, I, I went through so many years of, of uh, this specific specialized anxiety that I had over um, my the mortality of my own dad, mm. which is very dark and it's hard to think about, let alone you know concentrate on, but. I always thought because it was so specific that no one else thought that way. You know, and I'd have people throughout my life, whenever I dared to talk to other people about it in real life, they'd say, that's crazy. You can't think like that. You can't think like that. You know, that's a silly... Don't be silly. When it happens, it happens. Mm. There's nothing you can do about it. When people say you stop know. thinking like that, Ugh. don't do that, breathe. Or, just smile. Or just, just go, go out for over a walk. It. Yeah. They don't realise that if it, if you could, you absolutely oh, would. Oh, yeah, given the choice. If it was as simple as, I'm not going to think about it anymore, mm. I would so not think about it anymore. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have had those panic attacks when my dad didn't answer the phone, or mm. I wouldn't be up at three o'clock in the morning thinking, you know, one day he's not going to answer the phone, and all this stuff, you know? Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was one of the... It was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to, like, share. You know, and I wanted to share it. It wasn't like I felt forced or anything. But... I felt so vulnerable talking about it because mm-hmm. I didn't know how many people would relate to it. So I tried to keep the anxiety section general, but also giving my story. Because I think even then, whilst I was writing it, I had this internalised fear of maybe people reading it and thinking I was being irrational and silly. 
But the thing is with anxiety is it's irrational and it's silly, but you can't help it. Mm. That's the difference. You know, um, I'm not choosing to think these things. I don't choose to have anxiety attacks. I don't choose to have panic attacks. Mm. You know, in a world where uh, people yell at millennials saying, oh, you've all got anxiety these days, don't you? Oh, you're all depressed. No, it's more a case of people are talking about it now. See, I've had um, anxieties come up a few times on this podcast. Mm. And somebody said to me recently, oh, anxiety is just, it's like a cop-out thing that people, anyone says when they just can't do something. Wow. Um, and I must admit, I was, I was watching an episode of Vanderpump Rules because that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> and one of the characters was like, I couldn't go because I had anxiety. And I, even I thought, oh, no, that's just an excuse. Mm. But anxiety is very, very real. But it Absolutely. is an umbrella term. So. Yeah how I experience it will be very different from how you experience it or how someone else experiences it. I mean, it. there are people in the world who, you know, don't suffer with anxiety, who say, oh, yeah, I've got so much anxiety about this. There are, mm. you know. Um, but that doesn't take away from people who do have it. Mm. And it shouldn't take away from those people. You know, um, I suppose really, well, even though this is this difficult, I suppose, because anxiety is something that is diagnosed. But because it's so unique to every individual how they struggle with it like not everyone has the irrational fear that I had about my dad you know so in my mind I could say well I have anxiety but no one else seems to you know but it's a case of everyone suffers differently Mm. you know um, I don't think it's a modern thing I think the stresses of life have, you know, made it more common. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I don't think it's a, a, re- a new thing. Of blue light on devices, on mm. this walking down the street, Absolutely. advertising billboards—it's too much. Yeah. The sensor, um, what was it? The, sim- the nervous system can't actually cope with it. No. So it forces you into a constant state of fight of, or flight. That fit. alone. Yeah. But I mean, people have been struggling with anxiety in many different forms for, you know, tens of years. Mm. You know, um, it is more common to talk about these days and it's more common to identify i think and there are more triggers for it as mm-hmm. you said you know we're, we're we're definitely a more commercialized society now than we were 40 years ago but it did still exist it's not it isn't a cop-out to a lot of people whilst it might be to a few it's not to many yeah you know how i wish mine was a cop-out don't you wish that you could just use yours as an excuse and then go home and strip off that pretend layer of anxiety and just be calm? Yeah. Don't you yes. wish that was the case of, oh, I'm done faking anxiety, put the phone down, you know, yeah. if only, you know. But um, I thought it was important to put in the book, mm. anxiety and depression, both of them. They both talk about my own uh, experiences with them, but they come with uh, a message of it's, it's irrational, but it's also valid. It's real. You know, I don't. Yeah, it's real. I don't want to say it's normal mm. because, well, really, what is normal? You know, it's such a horrible word. But you know, you might struggle with it. You might not. If you're unlucky enough to, there are resources out there for you. Mm. Um, it, it can get better with time. In some cases, it might not. You might have to seek help. Mm. And what what really upsets me is this book is going to be in countries where uh, professional help isn't free. That annoys me a lot. You know, mm. I write in this book about how I was able to get counselling, I was able to get medication. You know, it was available to me, and there will be people in the world saying, "Well, lucky you, you live in the UK, you can do that." And I, I, I can't imagine struggling with anxiety, with you know, in a society that number one doesn't understand anxiety, and uh, number two, where you can't get help. Mm. You know, so this book is really a case of me saying, "Hey, it exists. It's real. You know, you're not crazy." You know, you might 
be going through some irrational thought processes, but that is part of anxiety. That doesn't mean that you are irrational. Mm. That means that you have irrational thoughts, and there's a massive divide. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not age-relevant either. Absolutely not. Even my dad said he... My dad is 70 years old, and he said even now, like... I'm way more stressed out than I used to be as a as a as a you know young adult. Mm. He said the stresses weren't there back then. He said even I feel a little bit anxious sometimes, you know, just in general. Like he'll yeah. just be walking down the street and his heart will just start pounding and he won't know why. He's seventy. Are you ready for the for the feedback? For I think what? I think this is gonna. Be, oh, for the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think specifically that chapter is going to really resonate with a lot of. I think you're going. I really to, hope so. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if you had uh, if you give people the voice of wow. a certain generation to be able to articulate what they're feeling in a really positive that way. That would mean more to me than, you know, I could have ever imagined, you know. As much as I say, you know, I wrote this book to help people, mm. you know, it's always sort of like a dream in the back of your mind, like I hope this helps someone. Yeah. But a lot of people have said to me they reckon it's going to it's going to help. Um, I mean so much. I've told this story before on the podcast, but do you know Kevin Smith, the uh, writer-director? I don't think so. Um, he has a podcast. He likes comics, so maybe he's not your kind of guy. <laughs> comics. I love comics. <laughs> um, but he, he did a live podcast. He's got a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. And he said, everyone should start a podcast because you'll do it, you'll put yourself out there, and one day someone is going to email you and say that you helped them with something or you just said the mm. thoughts that were in their head. and It'll be worth it. Yeah, I heard that yeah. after I started this podcast, but when it started happening, it was an incredible it must feeling. Been nice. yeah. I suppose maybe the first couple you did, you didn't get much feedback give or take you know mm. just a little bit and you're like yeah that's great and then it hits you like a wave that suddenly you're yeah you're influencing people and you're helping them you know you're assisting them and it's 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 kind of the same with with youtube you know i felt like i was talking to a wall mm. for a few months and then suddenly and it's know. like you say same with this podcast same with your youtube channel um someone can find this episode when mm. it goes live and then go through the feed and and listen to something that's over a year old yeah and, and that it might become yeah, yeah. Even if I don't help them mm. through listening to this, they might, you know, go go back and listen to the past episodes, <laughs> and you know, and they might um, they might find something from there. It's the butterfly effect, and you never know what effect you're going to have on people. But if this book, I, I said this from the start, I said it, um, I said it many months ago, and I'll say it again now, and I'll keep saying it. If this book helps one person, it was mm. worth writing it. That sounds corny, sounds cheesy, you know. But if one person reads that book and goes, "I am in control of my own destiny." I do need to do something about how I'm feeling. I do need to stand up for myself more. I do need to accept myself more. You know, then then it was worth it because that's someone's life that has been changed. Mm. You know? I mean, I even said like this book won't change your life, but it might help you change it yourself. Yeah. You know? And that's the key difference. Yeah, like I I honestly cannot stand those books that have a sticker on the front. And I said that in the prologue as well. You know, or my, no, it might be the first chapter I said it. I can't stand those books that say, change your life today with the help of this book. You know, like, this book will change your life. No, mm. it won't. A book with words on it can't do anything. But your brain interpreting your brain, those words. Exactly. The brain reading it and going, mm. I think this person is right. I need to do something. That's you changing it, not but the Not book. everybody's interpretation will yeah, be the same. Absolutely. I'm going to have to let you go because your commitments to this book. I know, I talk so much. Minutes. 
I apologise. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I've it's, had a wonderful time. I've had a ball. Oh, and you. thank you for this book. I have read it and I have loved it and I will be putting the it link to well this. It looks well read. That makes me happy. <laughs> it will be, um, I'll be putting the link to, to buy this in the show notes. Thank and you. And tagging Emma obviously on everything. Oh, bless you. Um, thank you. So yeah, thanks for Feel Good 101, Emma. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having this chat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Emma Gunn Show featuring Emma Blackery. If you want to get in touch, it's so easy. You can just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram. A lot of you have been doing that. My handle is at Emma Guns and it's also at Emma Guns on Twitter. Why not drop me a tweet? Let me know what you've been thinking of the show. Or if you have any questions or if you have any subjects that you would like me to cover on this podcast, I want to make a show that you want to listen to. So if you have anyone that you'd like me to get a hold of and pin down for a 60 minute chat, or you have a topic like the one, uh, like the show I did on food elimination or on hormones that we covered recently, then just drop me a line and I will do my very best to create the best quality show for you. Thank you to everyone who's been in touch and also a special thank you to everybody who takes the time and goes over to iTunes and leaves those five star reviews. I cannot believe that we have over a hundred. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm back next week with another fantastic guest and I do hope that you'll be joining me then. In the meantime, have a fantastic week and I will hear you, see you on the next episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance and you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.